Well, good morning, everyone. It is really great to see you this morning. Thank you for being here to worship with us at the Vista. If we have never met, my name is Dave. I'm one of our lead pastors, and it is a joy to have you. Uh, whether this is your first time with us or your first time um, maybe in a while, or maybe you are just a regular, you're here every week, um, we, don't, we don't take that for granted that you chose to spend part of your Sunday morning here uh, worshiping with the Vista family. So thank you uh, for being here. Uh, this morning, we're wrapping up our series, Summer in the Psalms. Uh, all summer, we've been kind of hop, skipping, and jumping around this Old Testament book. Um, and today, we're going to wrap it up looking at Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles, you can begin to turn there, Psalm 139. And we're going to kind of put a bow on this particular series this week and then get ready for our new series um, starting next Sunday. While you're turning there, um, one thing to kind of re-mention, I believe they mentioned this last week, I was out, but we are tweaking our, our service times. Um, really, we're tweaking one of our service times. Our first, our first service, we've been starting at nine o'clock. Uh, starting next Sunday, we're going to bump that up 15 minutes and the first service will start at 845. Uh, we're doing that for a number of reasons. Um, one is that you might have noticed uh, parking can kind of be a nightmare right? Um, just getting in and out of the lot. Um, also, the transition time between services, picking up kids, the hallways can get really crazy and congested. And so we really need to create a little bit more space between particularly the first and second service. So starting next week, uh, the first service, the early service will be at 845. Um, this one in particular is really full. The first one is full-ish. Um, it was really full this morning. Um, if you are looking for a little bit of elbow room and not having to, you know, fight for a seat, our third service at 1130 has the most room. Um, and so if you can kind of make that work in your, in your Sunday schedule, that would be the one that has the most, the most room. Um, but just wanted to give you a heads up. If any of you are considering going to that, that early service next week, it won't start at nine, it'll start at 845. And then I, I already warned the early service, like what we can't have is bumping it up 15 minutes and then having everybody in that service go, that's too early. We'll all just go to the second one. That would be a problem, right? So uh, I told them they're not allowed to do that or we will make them go to a different church. No. Um, but just wanted to give you the heads up. Um, maybe you're, you're, you're always in this service. Maybe you kind of jump around to different ones. Starting next week, 845 will be our early. This service will start at the same time and the third service will start at the same time. All right. And thanks for being flexible with us. I realize we do this a lot. Um, we, we periodically, we're trying to find the right times, the right fit for our service times. Um, and so we, we periodically will, hey, let's try this, let's try that. So thank you for being flexible with us. I joked in the, again, the first service, if, if you don't like the service times, you know, give it like six, six months to a year, we'll probably change it again. So we'll, we'll eventually find one, you, find one you like, all right? Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms, and um, I wanted to end the series with this particular psalm because I believe Psalm 139 gives us a lot of uh, hope, a lot of encouragement, um, and a lot of comfort, really. And I realize we're, we're wrapping up the summer, we're starting a new semester, which means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, some of you, it's back into a, what is a normal routine. Uh, some of you maybe have, have kids that are starting a new, a new time in school, a new grade in school. I know we have college students that are maybe starting a new semester, maybe are in a new place for the first time. Uh, others of you, maybe new careers, new job opportunities. Um, and so we're launching into some newness with a new semester. And I find that this psalm, um, it just reminds us of who our God is. David is the author of the psalm. And, and I think David, David is just praising God for who he is. And so... 
I think a good question to really start with is, is just, you know, what are your views of God? Like, who do you think that God is? Have you ever just sat back and really contemplated who you believe God to be? Because the truth is that everything in your life as a believer is going to be directly influenced by your view of God, by who you believe God to be and how you believe God works. Everything in your life is gonna be impacted by, by how you answer that question. And, and so if you believe that God is the man upstairs, right? This idea that God is sort of distant, he's just up there and out there somewhere, but he's not really involved in the details of my life. Well, that's gonna, that's gonna affect the way, the way that you live. In contrast, if you believe God is very near, that God is very much involved in the details of your life, um, if God is very close, then that's gonna impact the way that you live. If you believe God is kind of like the angry guy up there with like a lightning bolt waiting to like get you every time you make a mistake, every time you sin, you, you sort of live in, in a, what I would call an unhealthy fear of God, that's gonna certainly impact the way you live, the way you worship. But if you believe God to be a, a loving father who cares deeply for you, That'll certainly impact the way you live, the way that you worship. And so everything you believe about God, what you believe about God, who you believe God to be is going to impact sort of every facet of your life. And in Psalm 139, David is reminding us who God is, what God is like, how God operates. And he's sort of standing back and he is just praising God for for who he is. And so I wanna just kind of walk through this psalm with you this morning. It's uh, sort of broken down into four sections that are six verses each. And they just remind us of some really important truths about God. And so Psalm 139, uh, it begins like this. David says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. The first truth about God that David is just praising him for is the fact that God knows him. That's kind of the first big idea I want you to understand. God knows you. Think about this. The infinite God of the universe the bigness of God, the vastness of God, um, all that is God, like God knows each and every one of us personally. This fact is not missed on David. David is sitting back and he's just thinking, in fact, um, Nick preached a few weeks ago and he, he preached Psalm 8 and there's some of the echoes of the same thing. In Psalm 8, uh, David is praising God for how majestic he is. He says, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then he talks about how he's like, man, in light of that, what is man, who is man that you are even mindful of him? David's sort of uttering the same things here. He's, he's just floored and amazed that God knows, that God knows him. One of the things that um, this, this particular passage of Scripture, Psalm 139, is often used in sort of the evangelical community. It's sort of known as like the big sanctity of life chapter in the Bible. Um, we're going to read in a little bit later about, again, how, how God made us and, and he, we, are, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and God's, God's um, intricate details of our life. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute. So this text is often used to talk about, you know, issues like uh, abortion or stem cell research or even capital punishment. And to be clear, 
I think the text certainly has implications for those things. Um, Like, I don't know how you read Psalm 139 and you don't come away from it uh, seeing that life does begin at at conception. Like, I don't know how you read that and and think that life begins at at some other point, right? Like, but but here's what I want to remind you of. As David writes this, those issues are not at the forefront of his mind. Like, David's not sitting there thinking about things like abortion or stem cell research or capital punishment. David is simply amazed and and just floored by the fact that such an infinite God knows him intimately. He's amazed at both the infinite and and the intimateness of God. And I hope that you are as well. Um, As I was thinking about this, it's it's, it's impossible for us to wrap our minds around the bigness of God and his creation. Um, You know, everything we possibly know about our world, about our universe, we are learning new stuff every single day. In all of human history, um, we still don't, we're we're still scratching the surface of how big and amazing and vast um, God's creation really is. Um, Some things I read this week, scientists will tell us, um, speaking of how big the universe is, trying to wrap your mind around how vast and how big God's creation really is, that it would take 500 billion years to journey around um, the, the, the perimeter of the universe, and that is traveling at the speed of light. 186,000 miles per second, okay? 500 billion, I can't even wrap my, wrap my mind around 500 billion years, uh, much less how, how long that would take at the speed of light. The sun has a diameter of 864,000 miles and it can hold over 1 million planets the size of Earth. It takes sunlight traveling at the speed of light 8.5 minutes to reach the Earth. And yet that same light would take more than four years to reach the nearest star, Alpha Centauri, some 24 trillion miles from Earth. And the galaxy to which our sun belongs, the Milky Way, it contains hundreds of billions of stars. Astronomers estimate that there are even billions of galaxies. Perhaps the number of all the grains of sand on all the beaches in the entire world. And all of this, and yet the infinite God is intimately aware of every individual on the planet. In the midst of over six billion people on earth, God knows each and every one perfectly. First thing that David is praising God for is his omniscience, the fact that he is all knowing. God knows. And again, I hope today that that brings you a great deal of comfort. Um, And I know that parts of this can also be challenging and convicting, right? Because the text, if if I read this right, it just said that God discerns, God knows our thoughts. Uh Uh-oh, right? Like every thought that enters your head, God's aware of it. You're You're not hiding it from him. He knows the thoughts. It also says that before we utter a word, God already knows. God knows the words that are on our lips. I mean, that can be pretty convicting, right? But at the same time, I hope you find comfort in the fact that as a child of God, that God knows you. You are known by God. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to fake it because God knows you. And David is simply amazed by God's omniscience, by the fact that he is known by God. Not only are we known by God, David, then the next six verses are about the fact that that God is with you, that God is always with him. Look what he says next in verse seven. He says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. David's celebrating here God's omnipresence, right? The fact that God is always there, that God is always near. We've talked about David and his life. In fact, a lot of the Psalms we've looked at this summer were written by David. As I started the series, I mentioned the fact that Psalms really covers a whole gamut of human emotion, right? No matter where you are or what you're going through in your life, I promise you there is a Psalm for you, right? Psalms of despair, Psalms of grief, Psalms of praise, Psalms of thanksgiving. There's just, it's all over the map. And so we've seen David's life. In fact, a few weeks back, we looked at Psalm 51, where David is repenting after his sin with Bathsheba and murdering her husband, and he feels far from God and separated from God, and it's a psalm of repentance. And David's reminded of all the, the twists and turns of his life and the fact that wherever he is, God is always there. God's always there. And again, that can be convicting, but I hope for you it's actually comforting and encouraging that no matter what you go through, no matter what season of life you're in, God knows and God is, God is there, God is with you. As I read this this week, it, what stood out to me in particular is the fact that he specifically mentions the darkness. He mentions the dark times of life. Listen, because we live in a broken, fallen, sinful world, none of us get out of life without going through some darkness. Some more than others, to be sure. But man, let's just be honest. There, are some, there can be some really dark seasons in life loss and hurt and pain, heartache, suffering. And I love the fact that that David is reminded that that even in his darkest moments, even in our darkest moments, when there's fear, when we can't see what's in front of us and we have no idea where we're going, he, he says that darkness is as light to God. Isn't it comforting that when we go through our darkest moments, we serve a God that sees in the dark? <laughs> like God sees, God knows. God is right there with us in the darkest moments and the darkest seasons of life. And this brings a lot of comfort and a lot of encouragement to David. David is praising God for his omniscience. He's all-knowing. He's praising God for his omnipresence. Man, he is always, always there. God is always there. The next thing he praises God for is essentially his omnipotence, his power in creation. And this is, again, the, the big sanctity of life text. Look what he says next, beginning in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. David is praising God for the fact that that God made him. And and not just kind of a surface level, hey, thanks for for creating me. But literally David is sort of looking at, at the ways in which God intricately wove his life together in the details of his life. David is praising God for that. God's glory and power are revealed in your uniqueness. I want you to think about this. I mentioned earlier that there are are things about God's creation that we still don't even know. 
the, the vastness, the bigness of universe and, and, and all, we're still learning new stuff, but think about it on a personal level. Every single human being that has ever lived, there's never been one that's exactly like the other. There is no one else exactly like you. And before you go, wait a minute, what about identical twins? They're still different. Anybody that has twins or is a twin knows we're still, we're still different, right? There is no one else that's ever lived that's exactly like you. That speaks to the bigness, the vastness, the glory, the splendor, the creativity and the power of God. And I would remind you, I know we live in a day and age where people like to celebrate their uniqueness, almost like they had something to do with it. But I would just remind you that your uniqueness, your specialness is not a testament to you. It's a testament to the God who made you. It's a testament to the God who made you. God made you unique. God made you special. Every single person is different. Specifically, what the psalmist, what David gets at here is in two specific ways. One is your form, your physical makeup, your physical appearance, your body. Um, God designed, God made you to look the way you are, to be however tall or however short you happen to be, right? That's how God made you to be, your hair color, your eye color. God made that, God designed that. And I know that every one of us can look in the mirror and we can find the flaws, right? Anybody else find the flaws? Yeah, that's what we see all the time, right? I wish this wasn't the way it was. I wish I looked this way, I wish I had that, I wish I, listen, God put you together the way that you are. At the same time, it goes on to say not only your physical makeup, but also your unseen substance, right? which means not only the way that you look, but the way that you are, how you're wired, your personality, those things that make you distinct and special. That's not a freak biological accident, right? Some of you are very, you know, you're very structured, you're very type A, you're very, everything has a place, everything has a plan, everything needs to follow the plan. And others of you, you can't spell plan. Like you're like, plans are dumb. Why do we need a plan? And you just kind of live for the moment and you're all in. And, and listen, some people that, that love the plan and love the, the specificness of life, they look at people that aren't like them and go, something's wrong with them. While they're over here, like just living in the moment going, something's wrong with them. And the reality is nothing's wrong with anybody. That's how God wired you, how God designed you. That's how God made you. God's put you together, your personality the way that, again, your personality, all of us have distinct and different personalities. Some of you have taken personality tests. There's all different kinds of personality tests. Some will tell you you're an animal. Some are gonna tell you you're a color. Some are gonna tell you you're a number, right? And they can serve a purpose. I'm not anti-personality test. Some of you take those things and it's like, it just, it's just a big question mark. Your personality test is like, I have no idea. I don't know what you are, right? Like, it's just, God's wired us and knit us together and put us together in very specific ways. Listen, I am, um, I am 5'7", if I stand up really tall and, you know, as, as best I can. Like, I've never weighed more than a buck 50 my whole life. Most of my life, significantly less than that. In fact, um, I have always, for most of my life, had the highest metabolism of anybody I've ever known. Like, I burn calories taking a nap, okay? It's, it's my cross to bear, right? It's just, it's just what God gave me, right? I'm also very loud, okay? Surprise. I'm loud. As a kid, I had a hard time using my inside voice. I didn't know I had an inside voice. I got in trouble a lot for being loud. And again, the text is going to say that God designed me, God made me that way, okay? In addition, um, it, 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 it's also, the text is going to say, um, God's designed our days before any of them were formed. So listen, the time period in which you live is also not an accident, which means, like, none of us got to vote. You didn't get to vote on that, did you? You didn't have a conversation with God before you were born and go, I'd like to be born in this generation. 
No, like we didn't get a say in that. God planned that. God designed that. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. Anybody grow up in the 80s and 90s in here? Ah, it was a good time. It was a good time, right? What that means is I grew up on shows like Dukes of Hazard and A Team and Knight Rider, watching the, the original Hoff, you know, like the good, the good, the good version, right? Like um, my first crushes growing up were Winnie Cooper of The Wonder Years and Kelly Kapowski of Saved by the Bell, as was every adolescent boy my age, right? That's just, that's just what we, that's the way we were raised. We played video games, but listen, our video games, we didn't have fancy controllers like they have now with 27 buttons that I don't know what they do. We had one stick and one button. That's all we had, right? And we were awesome. My boys now will just destroy me and make fun of me because they can whip me and stuff like Fortnite and Call of Duty and I don't know how half the buttons work, but I'm like, you know, you show me some Pac-Man or Space Invaders and I will kill you, right? <laughs> I mean, y'all don't know nothing about Centipede. I will, I will, man, I will destroy you in Centipede, right? Like, and that's the, that's the age, that's the time frame in which I grew up. And the Bible's gonna say that that's not some freak cosmic accident that God designed me and knit me together. God said, this guy wired this way in this particular time for this time for God's glory to help build the kingdom. And the same is true for you. It's not some cosmic accident that you're here. You can listen and people can tell you your life doesn't matter, what you do doesn't matter, where you live doesn't matter, um, the way you're wired doesn't matter, but the Bible is gonna tell us something altogether different that God made you, God intricately designed you to be you. And I say that, and the reason I hope this brings you comfort and encouragement is because again, we're starting a new semester. There's a lot of newness in front of us. Some of you may feel like there's a mountain in front of me and I'm not sure I'm equipped to handle that. And God would say, yes, you are, because I'm sovereign, I'm in control, I'm more powerful than that mountain and I'm with you. And that's what David is, David is, is remembering here in Psalm 139. And to drive this point home, I read something a few years back. Um, I came across that again this week, just to kind of drive home the uniqueness of every person. Um, I would remind you that you have 46 chromosomes. 23 are from your father and 23 are from your mother. And it is that unique combination of chromosomes that determines everything about you, from the color of your eyes to the number of hairs on your head. Now, the mathematical probability that you would get the exact 23 chromosomes you got from your mother is 0.5 to the 23rd power, which is one in 10 million. But the same is true for the 23 chromosomes you got from your father. And so if you multiply those two together, the probability that you would be you is one in 100 trillion. But you also have to factor in the fact that your parents' chromosomal history had the same probability and their parents and their parents' parents. And so the big idea, the point is that you and I are incalculably unique. I mean, it's just, you can't even fathom how unique that we are. Mark Batterson in his book, Soul Print, he says it this way, and I think it's very well said. He says, the fact that there has never been and never will be anyone like you simply means that no one can worship God like you or for you. You were created to worship God in a way that no one else can. How? By living a life that no one else can, your life. You play an irreplaceable role in God's grand narrative. God has wired you, designed you, made you. He is involved in the intricate details of your life because God made you to be you. Not to try to spend your life copying someone else that he made unique, but to be you 
to serve him and to worship him and to love the people around you, to build his kingdom and point people to Jesus, only you can do that the way that you can do that. David is stepping back in Psalm 139 and praising God that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. Wrapping up Psalm 139, here's the way it ends. It takes a little bit of a turn, um, but here's, here's the way David wraps up Psalm 139, beginning in verse 19. David says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. That sounds a little different than what I heard in Sunday school. Jesus is going to come along later and, and teach something different, just to be clear. But look what, look what David says next in, in, in light of recognizing that. Look the, at the way David ends Psalm 139. It's really important. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is praising God for who he is and the way that he works in his life, but then he stops and he recognizes the evil and the wickedness and the injustice and the bloodshed. He recognizes that stuff all around him. He recognizes all of the evil and wickedness that's out there. But then what he does at the very end of the psalm is he, he basically is saying, God, I don't want to be like that. Like, I don't want those things that are prevalent in the world to define me. And so essentially what he's asking is, is that God would search him and know him and try him and see if there be any grievous way in, in him. What a, what a great prayer, right? God, I don't, I don't want to be like that. I don't want the evil, the wickedness. I don't want that. And, and what I wrote down about this last section, it, it's a reminder that God is indeed gracious to you, that God is gracious to you. Here's the thing. Evil and wickedness will be punished. God is a just God. God doesn't just let stuff go. All evil, all wickedness, all sin will be punished. Now, here's the good news for those of us that are in Christ. You don't have to worry about tiptoeing through life, wondering if every misstep, every mistake, every sin, every fault, every, every failure, every evil thought in your head, every word that you utter, you don't have to tiptoe through life wondering if God is going to get you or, or smite you or strike you down for all of that stuff. You know why? Because if you're in Christ and you've placed your faith in Christ, guess what? Your sin has already been dealt with. God has already poured out his wrath on your sin in the person and work of Jesus. That's the good news. That is God's grace to you. Yes, we deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve eternal punishment. But God is gracious. It's part of his makeup. It's part of his DNA. It's part of his goodness and his loving kindness extended to us, right? That in Christ, God has already dealt with our sin. His wrath has already been poured out on our sin. And God's not going to punish your sin twice. He's already punished it. He's not going to do it again. That's good news. That is the graciousness of God towards you. And so, listen, when I talk about this, the, the, the new semester and, and we're kind of wrapping up one season, moving into a new season, Psalm 139 is one that I go back to often because it brings me a lot of comfort, a lot of hope, and a lot of encouragement. That, that God knows me. Like the stuff that I go through, man, God knows me. God is always with me. No matter what I go through, no matter where I am, even in the darkest seasons and the darkest moments, guess what? God is right there with me and, and I serve a God that sees in the dark. 
I'm reminded that God made me. That when there's something in front of me that I'm not sure I can handle, I'm reminded that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that I am knit together, put together in a particular way for this particular season. I'm reminded that God is more powerful than the mountain in front of me, that I have got this. And then, man, I'm reminded that every step of the way, God is gracious. I don't have to live with fear and trepidation because God has already dealt with my sin. And I can live in freedom and joy as a result. I think David, as he steps back and thinks about who God is, is reminded of these things and it causes David to worship. Um, And my hope and my prayer for you as we start a new season is that we would see God the same way. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we're grateful today for your word that reveals to us who you are. And God, we know that every facet of our lives, everything in our life, at the end of the day, um, has implications for, for how, we, how we see you, how we view you, who we think you are. And so God, we're grateful for your word that we don't have to wonder or guess or speculate. You tell us who you are. And so Father, I pray today that we would be reminded of your omniscience, that you know that nothing is hidden from your sight, that you know us. As big and vast and majestic as you are, you know the details of our life. I pray that, God, we would be reminded of your your omnipresence. God, that no matter what we go through, even in the dark seasons, you're right there with us. You never leave us, you never forsake us. I pray today we'd be reminded of your power and your glory, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and you have made us each and every one unique. You've placed us in this particular time So God, I pray that we would not waste the breath in our lungs and the heartbeat in our chest pursuing trivial things, but that we would build your kingdom and serve you with the breath and the life you give us. And then God, ultimately, I pray we would remember your graciousness to us, that you sent your son to die on a cross. You've already paid for and dealt with our sin and that in you, God, we are free so we can live with joy. And we thank you for these truths today. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.